Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Welcome to the Canna Mom Show. Are you interested in hearing inspiring cannabis stories told by real women, moms, and caregivers who are breaking barriers and building businesses in the emerging cannabis industry? This is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. I'm a former family law attorney, a mother of two, and I have been talking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. And along with my canna sister, realtor, cancer survivor, and mom, Amy Searles, who cannot join us today but is here in spirit, we are on a mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories and connecting them to you. Today's guest. I met today's guest at the MJ Biz Conference in Vegas in December. She shared a lemon snack bar with me. <laughs> she joins us today from Michigan to share her personal cannabis story which includes both her journey to heal from trauma and her work healing others. She has pursued several avenues in the cannabis industry that were all built upon the business experience she gained from her many years working in her family's grocery. Ever passionate about her professional pivot, she pursued despite setbacks and roadblocks. And although the ever-changing cannabis regulations required her to give up on her original idea of a mobile oil extraction, she is now focused on helping others heal with a CBD line of products. So I want to welcome today, Kelly Young. Welcome, hey. Kelly. <laughs> so welcome. It's out, you're out there in Michigan. It's cold. Yes, it's cold. We have a storm coming in tonight. Thank you so much for asking me to be on today. Well, it was great. So we did. We met at the MJ BizCon. We have a mutual friend and we were sitting at the, um, it was the, uh, the Netflix, right? person speaking yeah we're, we're watching the yeah netflix speaker yeah. it was amazing and talking about businesses and failing and taking chances and you know this is a theme of the cannabis industry so um you shared a bar with me we bonded and now let's talk about what how you got into this world and uh, what you're doing <laughs> thank you you're welcome yeah so how so how did this start how did you even get connected to cannabis i don't know i know you have your own story of trauma of use however you want to start you can start yeah yeah, so um, in 2017, I was looking at um, leaving the family business and groceries, and 
a friend of mine had suggested taking a look at cannabis oil because it was, it was such a popular thing on the marijuana side of things. And so I started researching and realized uh, that cannabis oil is uh, can be so helpful in helping people fight cancer, and it can also be used in topicals and things like that. So I started researching the industry. Um, I've been a medical marijuana patient here in Michigan since it's been legal in 2008 mm-hmm. uh, and had been using recreational prior to that. Um, and I also, at, at all at the same time, I was selling a topical out of Colorado that was the number one topical company in the country in terms of, uh, of lotion okay. and doing really well with that. And so I had the belief already um, that CBD could help people, and, but I didn't even know at the time as I was researching that when I was going to be buying this equipment, all of the different things that I could be doing and making and how the origins of the plants and the cannabinoid profiles all actually play together to help in the healing process. I mean, it is kind of, you know, not like, you know, like I say I'm a generalist, but there are so many things to know about this plant and how it works with the human body and the expansive quality of like every level of it. Don't you think it's fun? You know, CBD is an ingredient at this point. You know, it's like it's something that can help with so many other issues. I, just, I think it's an amazing product that has so many options. So if you found a place in it or you were looking for your place in it, I guess that's what you're doing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So basically what happened was I bought this $50,000 piece of equipment that was uh, basically turnkey. It gave a novice who didn't know anything about kind of the science of extraction uh, the ability to go out and to put the plant in and to see what came out of it. And then I immediately started lab testing. And when I got my lab test results back, um, I was kind of bummed because, like, I had done the marijuana plant, and so I was expecting to see THC. Right. And instead, what I saw as a dominant cannabinoid was THCA. Explain to me what THC is and how a THCA differs from THC. I'm not sure everyone knows that. Yeah, that's a great question. So the cannabis plant, um, how I explain to most people, there's the marijuana and then there's the hemp, and it's all the cannabis plant. They just have different genetics. And in those genetics, you have two dominant cannabinoids. You have THC and you have CBD. And then those dominant cannabinoids, I explain it like brother and sister, then they have families of all these trace cannabinoids below them. Okay. Now, what's fascinating is if um, the marijuana plant is dominant in THC, but it's actually THCA in a raw form, in a plant form, it only becomes THC when you heat it the acidic side of that cannabinoid drops off and turns into what I call or kind of refer to as a carbon form. And so THCA um, is like going out and eating the plant raw, like eating a bud. You're not going to get high. Um, as soon as you heat it, it becomes THC. So I have a question about that. So when, if you know, when you buy flour at a dispensary now, it's all very carefully labeled. It's almost overwhelming. Yeah, um, if it's the THC appears after it's um, burned or uh, I don't know whatever you say that it's heated. How do you yeah. know how much THC is actually in there? When because I do label it with a THC component, right? Or percentage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I I don't really know how to answer that question. Hmm. I can tell you in terms of like hemp because there's a lot of uh, regulation going on right now. The USDA came out saying that. Um, so CBD and hemp is the same way, it's predominant right. in CBDA, but it also has um, some THC and THCA right. as part of those genetics. 
And so the USDA and their regulations came out conflicting with the Farm Bill, where the Farm Bill says that hemp, as long as as it's below 0.3% THC, is legal. But USDA came out just recently at the end of the year saying, uh, we are going, we want everybody to test for THCA and THC that combined over 0.3% is now technically marijuana. It's not. Wow. So it can split. And that's, and that's a, isn't that sort of a made up number, that 0.3? It really is. (laughs) And to be honest with you, the genetics out there don't ha- we don't have those genetics now i i had contacted m- many of my providers because i do consulting for hemp farmers i can help them get genetics i can help them figure out the infrastructure i can turn their stuff into oil and i can turn around and make it into tinctures and lotions and vapes mm-hmm. so they can really maximize their profit margins and once it's made into oil it all is over the 0.3% thc because, a it's, because it's been THC, heated? But okay. you can dilute it down to get below that 0.3% THC. So again, um, that, that, that kind of confuses, again, I mean, I'm a generalist, but that still confuses me. So if they're looking for some random 0.3 THC, how do they... And even, nobody has it. And nobody... Who, they, who made, who made that up? years of making was that, genetics. Was that Harry Anslinger? Is that... Go, what is that? Like, <laughs> so either the industry at, at large is scratching their heads saying, no, wait a second, that's illegal. You can't... You can't come out USDA and say this, which conflicts with the Farm Bill, which is federally recognized. Right. So you're trying to make up another subset of regulations that actually isn't even possible at this point. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of concern out in the marketplace because farmers at large, like in Wisconsin, a lot of their um, CBD tested over the 0.3%. And this gets back to my question of like, you say you were asking about flour being bought in right. the dispensary. And so once it's heated, then then all of those cannabinoid profiles change. So from a hemp level, um, in testing, we have to send in our flour like two weeks before harvest to prove that that flour is below 0.3%. By the time we harvest, that plant could be over the 0.3%. And by the time we make oil out of it, it's going to be over the 0.3%. Um, so there's a lot of gray area in there. So taking that back to the marijuana flower that's being bought out in dispensaries, right. they're only testing what that flower is just as it's hitting, like just before it's hitting the shelf, after it's been harvested. Right. But what's interesting, though, is the plant actually changes its molecular structure. And so... One of the things that I offer in the extraction method that I do is I offer a live resin product, which is going out. We can take the fresh plant, fresh, right. and freeze it and then turn around and extract it, like, immediately within, like, a day. And we get, like, this amazing, like, whole different product. It's a total premium product. We get all the terpenes from that. And I explain that, like, going out and cutting fresh strawberries. If you cut fresh strawberries and you immediately throw them in the freezer, you're going to have a different strawberry coming out than if you cut strawberries, leave it out on your counter for a couple of days, then throw it in the freezer. Two totally different strawberries, so that's right. even so though are you, they so wait, come I, from the same plant. Are you talking about, like, a freeze? I've met people talking about freeze-dried. Are you freeze-drying and not hang-drying the plant? What's the difference? Yeah, the- not even drying it, just yeah freezing it immediately like, and literally just freezing it and we extract it. Huh. Um, and what that does is we capture all the terpenes, so all the flavors. But 
what science has shown is is that if you buy flour at a mar- at a store, marijuana flour, mm-hmm. and say you buy an ounce and you only smoke a little bit of it and it ends up in the drawer and a year later you go to smoke it and you test lab test it, the lab tests are going to show it being a different cannabinoid profile than when you originally bought it because the plant itself is continually breaking down. Huh, so it's just like a food product, like anything, like if you left your loaf of bread in the drawer. like <laughs> Yep, yep. <laughs> Yep, and so THC actually turns into CBN, and CBN is what people are, like, starting to find out, like, whoa, CBN can help me sleep. So you could have a, a indica kush strain in the indica world of, of marijuana and then have it break down and be really predominant in CBN and help you really sleep. It's fascinating because people are finally getting their heads around the idea that there's CBD. You know, there's, like, ad nauseum. Everyone speaks about CBD now, but the idea that it's so much more complicated and the... I just that whole THC and hemp thing, THCA, THC. Are people adv- and you're in this kind of political world too? Are people advocating for better understanding of what this is so they can change some of those regulations? I just find that really um, intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Especially you know, for farmers, really... these farmers getting into it, they must be so nervous because the the margin of error is so small. Yeah, and well, yeah. and they're losing like thousands of dollars. I mean, they've gone through and they've grown these plants put a lot of love in them, and then they send them in and they test hot. I had one of my farmers have to dispose of 800 hemp plants because it was over the 0.3% THC. And, you know, it's still kind of a gray area, but, you know, he destroyed them because he wants to be able to grow hemp um, in the future. And if you don't do what they tell you to do, then, you, you, you know, nobody wants to get into trouble. But, you know, it's not like he went out and grew a bunch of marijuana plants right. trying to call them hemp. So, you know, I think that leads to, like, federal legalization, you know, and the fact that, you know, a few more years down the road, uh, once, uh, you know, marijuana, the cannabis plant at large, is federally legalized and there's some limits there, um, then we can start kind of standardizing the industry. But the hope is is that, you know, to still empower the small farmers, and that's really where I come into play in my passion. Yeah, so I I do think about this is an interesting industry, which is it's over-regulated, under-regulated. It's got a lot of state rights issues going with it. You know, we talk about small farmers. We talk about big industry, agri-grow. But because it is still pretty state-specific, does it feel like small farmers have a better chance right now at uh, getting into the market? Yeah, you know, with Michigan in our in our regulatory framework and passing recreational, we actually broke down those barriers between we have a medical framework um, that you have to have an exorbitant amount of capitalization and um, they're hefty, hefty licensing fees. But in the recreational side of things, we actually opened it up and made it to where the small guy can get in um, as a craft grower and be able to do their their own kind of small scale thing. Um, without it being uh, too capital intensive. And can, can so, you actually, I like to talk because I do talk to people from different states and my listeners, I'm not sure, are aware of how different each state is. I do talk to quite a few people in you know, Colorado, California. I've spoken to people in Connecticut. But what does it look like in Michigan right now? Like how um, how open are people to it? You know, what is industry? You know, did you have a illicit market before? Are they comparable to someplace like Colorado? Or comparable to some California had a whole different issue going on because they were supplying so much of the cannabis for the country, you know those those markets. So were there mm-hmm. farmers there prior who were trying to get legal, or is it a transition totally into a new market? How's it working? It is really a transition to a whole new market. We, you know, a few years ago, all of our we had some dispensaries open um, out in the beginning, 
And then there was some kind of local politics that, you know, it depended on where you were at. But Traverse City itself had a few, quite a few dispensaries. And then they all got raided. They all got shut down. Those people had to go to prison. Really? Oh. Even though we had a medical program, we didn't have any way to do commerce as a legal way of being recognized. But there is a tax form that the state has for selling illegal drugs. It's it's fascinating. Wait, um, a, there's a tax form? You pay taxes for selling your illegal drugs? <laughs> yes, yes. And yet it's, it's up to the local <laughs> municipality. And if you ticked off the village president, if they want to turn around and come out and search you and try to find, you know, a, something that isn't in full compliance, and oh, okay, now you got to go. A few years ago, Michigan came out with uh, an actual framework, a commercial licensing framework, and they kind of started to model after Colorado on that. Um, dispensaries were just starting to open. Like, you could just start applying in late 2017, and that's when I got into this business. Um, and there were some... some regulations and ties, like you had to be a caregiver for at least two years um, in order to be able to even apply. A year later, we passed recreational. Well, meanwhile, there's over 500 licensees sitting there in the in the pool waiting to get, you know, waiting to go through their whole process to get their license, and not many stores open. So the black market um, has continued to kind of thrive, I think, and mm-hmm. do pretty pretty well. I think that's similar um, out here. I think the the rollout has been slow. It's expensive. It's hard to get into. It's cap, like you keep saying, it's a very capital intensive um, endeavor to even undertake. Yeah. Now, when we got Governor Whitmer, when she came in, um, and Dana Nessel, our, our Attorney General, talk about two dynamite women. Um, uh, it's always the women, right? Isn't it always? Yeah, the they're the brave ones. Oh my- this is ridiculous why do we have a board of volunteers approving licenses and they only get together once a month oh really like four hours is the max amount of time like they were only getting through maybe three licensees at a time and like the pool just kept growing Getting bigger exactly yeah she she eliminated the board she phased it out she created a whole new division within the state um that goes along with like the tobacco and the alcohol, like it's its own division. Mm-hmm. And now those people are paid and they have to send out reports every week of who's getting approved and who's out there. And so we have accountability now. We that's, have, you know, we have good. a system in place. Well, of course. Um, I mean, this is, again, this is, and I do say this just in terms of like women in business, we can get back to what you're doing, but the idea that this is a new industry we can help create some of the rules. It's good to see women politicians are standing up and saying that this old system isn't working. We're going to do something new. That's very hopeful to me. Yeah, um, and we need the money. Like, I mean, and the money. And it, yeah, it's a you know this is big. You know, once the banking gets their act together, and you know, you know how this is. It's it's very hard to change people's minds about something they thought they knew about. And this is not cannabis. Is not what people thought it was. And the people right. who are still in these sort of you know local politics is local politics. You know, they got other issues to worry about, and this isn't on the top of their game. And unless they find someone they trust to come in to help them get more tax revenue and do this thing in their town, I don't know. It's a hard it's a hard sell for a lot of communities. So speaking of local politics, yeah. I had mentioned just before we got on the podcast that I had to move my lab, and I'll share with you. Oh yeah, of like, course, yeah. So I was a local grocery store owner in town. I've been here for ten years. So you're, you're, no, where, 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 where are you in Michigan? Where are you? Uh, Central Lake. Central up Lake, in okay. Northern Michigan. Okay. And so they all know me. I've sat yep. on the committees for the Rising Tide. 
which brought money, and I sat on the DDA. And your family's from there. And so I have these properties. I did a ballot initiative, and so the people get to vote in March if they want to allow marijuana facilities to be in my town. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also got my hemp licenses, so I'm licensed in 12 locations across the state. I'm basically creating like a co-op where I'm doing consulting for farmers and helping them do this thing. And so my office downtown is licensed for processing hemp. Mm-hmm. And Michigan has a law underneath the caregiver model for marijuana, which I'm also a caregiver and I have patients, mm-hmm. that I can process marijuana into oil as long as I'm not in a house or in a vehicle. Okay. Which is how oh, I that, started that goes my, back to your my oil extraction. extraction. Right, right. <laughs> I bought a fifth wheel, which is a trailer. So. Yeah. I moved out of the trailer into my office downtown. It's a mixed-use commercial building, and um, I processed over 2,000 pounds of hemp there. And um, I'd be on the phone forever explaining the history of things, but long Mm -hmm. story short is is that I have a... um, They got a search warrant to come search my office a week and a half ago. Who got a search warrant? Manufacturing CBD products. Even though I'm through the state. Your local government? Your local officials got a... Really? The police department? Yeah. Wow. And I was still out of state. I wasn't operating there, but I have a tenant who is just become a nightmare, and she's now become a squatter. Okay. And so she raised enough of a ruckus that they said, oh... Well, cool. If we can get into Kelly's office, maybe we can find marijuana and then we can bust her and then she can't be here. Well, go ahead and look, guys. It's clean. The office is clean. You can't really write up a citation for me having equipment that's not even in use. Right. So now I'm sitting in the docket of I don't know what's going to happen. I've had one attorney tell me I could have felony charges placed against (gasps) me. I've had another attorney tell me just sit there and shut up. So I just moved. Even though I'm licensed through the state to be there, there's no ordinance against it. What they claim that's not manufacturing isn't allowed. I explained that my license through the state isn't any different than the grocery store next door that has the Department of Agriculture or both Department of Agriculture licenses. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're mixing and grinding burger and they're mixing salads. I mean, I'm mixing an oil with an oil, you know, or whatever, but... I don't have time to sit around and play Barney Fife, play against Barney Fife, and have hemp clients um, bring material in and have it be seized and have it be months and testing and people going to jail or whatever. So wow. you really. That's really. You know, disa- that's kind of disappointing. It, it is disappointing, <laughs> that's very disappointing. You know, but I laugh because in six or seven weeks, the people will get to vote. So now my goal is, is to just continue to bring education and um, start educating people on what yeah, the ballot like, initiative so, so is. We're, we've been talking for a while. Let's talk about what you're doing with your, um, you know, you're working with uh, the Free Relief. It's a nonprofit. You're working with that. And you're also doing some teaching in uh, my TCB. What are the things, what are the bigger things that you want to talk about? In yeah. Terms of your, so, next, your next steps or how you're like, you know, you're, you know, you're linking the chain. You're changing the, like we are, one can of story yep. at a time. You're changing the narrative. So what are you doing moving forward? So Free Relief uh, is a nonprofit that I formed that gives away non-psychoactive cannabis tinctures, the actual THCA, to anybody who's fighting cancer and veterans with PTSD. And do you have a special license for that? or is it a, um, I don't. Is, no, okay. No, <laughs> it, 
uh, it qualifies as uh, as another cannabinoid underneath CBD per the federal regulations that came out the end of March. I'm flying underneath the radar on that. You know, I'm below the 0.3% THC. Um, so, but I don't advertise that it is THCA because I don't want people to get crafty and figure out how they can exactly. uh, turn around and misuse that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm still small, but... Um, uh, but when people reach out, I have some form for them to fill out, and uh, my goal is to be able to collect enough information at some point and be able to do some case studies and get funded that that's, way. That's excellent. But, um, so who, who, who are you seeing? Like, who's coming to you? How are you finding people? Is it pretty rural where you are? What's it like? Yeah, it's, you know, it's all word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, the newspaper just did a, uh, I'm sorry, the local news did an article on me about two weeks ago, um, and so that. Uh, picked up quite a bit of visibility um, for both my CBD business and for the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kind of spreads from there. So I can't get too big at the moment because it's just me. Right. Um, and so uh, I'm hoping to, you know, as I move forward, be able to find good funding sources so I can turn around and employ people and really get out there and do some outreach events. And then Kelly, um, I, I just know you are so on top of all these regs and the changes. And this is something like, you know, I read four of these different dailies a week. I mean, a day. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that changes very, very quickly. How are you staying on top of all of this? How are you, all the work <laughs> you're doing and like, you know, staying on top of the fact that everything is sort of changing so quickly? Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a great question. I yeah. get, I listen to podcasts. Um, Podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. They're so important because they help me dial right into what's going on today with today's leaders. Oh, I also get about a dozen uh, headlines a day um, from various different email mm-hmm. um, e- companies, mm-hmm. you know, specific to what I do in terms of extraction, but also at large, both national and international wise. So uh, I also do, you know, a fair amount of networking. And so when I am, you know, tasked with the project of helping sell one of my farmers oil, you know, CBD oil, I get on the phone with one of my international partners. We talk about, you know, what I have to sell. And I ask some of those questions. And what I find is is that when you, you know, when you're out here and you're giving your all and you, and you make a call to somebody who's, you know, a professional, they're on the up and up, um, they help fill in some of those gaps and saving me thousands of dollars and what I'd be trying to do if I didn't ask those questions. So calls end up being a half hour to an hour or longer uh, with a partner that would otherwise probably be about five minutes. Um, well, I mean, again, this is and anyone who says they're an expert is lying. That's what I keep hearing. And we yeah. all, it's like this big giant universe that we all sort of see a piece of and we're trying to piece it together and change the narrative. So it's so important that we collaborate. You know, we talk about this having women, the idea that a lot of our skills were like dismissed for so many years. <laughs> but it turns out collaboration is important. It is. It is. And, you know, one of the things I see with the men in specific, and, and I mentioned this on our pre-call, is that there's a lot of ego out there. And some of the men really do not like women coming in and actually having a little bit more information than what they have known or done. And I'll often see men kind of argue with each other about, oh, my shit's the best stuff or I whatever, know. like, or this is the way that you've got to do it. And, you know, what I see in terms of the women coming together is, you know, let's rally, let's work together. But there's still, you know, there's still that competitive side. We still all have to pay our bills. Oh, there's absolutely. Still, 
trade secrets kind of being taken. And one of the things that I see out, you know, is folks now will call and say, well, I'm thinking about growing hemp. Can you tell me, you know, this and that? And now things have moved in my world to, you know, I have a contract and I get retained just like a consultant or an attorney. Uh, and folks say, well, no, I don't, can't really afford that. And, and I understand that and respect that. Um, I certainly have gone all in and done all of my own stuff, uh, mostly on research, but I have paid consultants when I needed that extra leg up. Of and course. I well, that's a, time. we can't know everything. And the idea that uh, I say this women's value, women's time is not valued. I do so much, you know, we all do things for free, but we have to start, you know, the confidence factor. Our time is valuable. My hard-earned wisdoms of 54 years and my education, those weren't free to me either. You know, and I have something and I'm willing to share it with you, but my time has value. So we have to keep saying that mantra. It's real. You know, and it, it's whatever, for whatever cultural reasons, we, women do find it harder. Yes. Yeah. But well, we're true. givers and we're care, you know, well, we're, we're caregivers. Care- yeah. That's our problem. Mm-hmm. It's, our, it's our strength and our problem. Yeah. So that's my TCB. That's the product that you're talking about, or is that separate? So then I have my TCBD, which is my CBD product. Right. Okay, that's separate. Okay. So I have my TCBD, and then I have free relief. Um, And then I do consulting and brokering and and helping farmers um, on that side. And then, of course, I'm working on my ballot initiative to have a full farm-to-table uh, basically grow processing and dispensary on the marijuana side. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so my TCBD, you know, I have oil that I had been sourcing from other providers until I could grow it, and then now I have my own oil as well. So I have copious amounts of, of product to work with. Um, I can take on clients for white labeling if they want to start their own CBD company, they mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I have distributor models. I generally steer people away from, like, trying to open their own mom-and-pop white-label company. And the reason is because there's a new company, like five new ones opening up every day. I have heard this um, from other women entrepreneurs that it, they think the formulation is going to be more important than the white-labeling at this. They're you know moving away from that, that the idea that it's more specified, it's more personalized. It, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, and that's, that's true. I mean, building a brand in and of itself and the website and all that goes with it, is so much work that if you can find a product that you believe in, um, that you know works, stand behind that and go out and make your money that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to build your own brand to do that unless it's, unless it's more of an ego thing type of thing. Yeah. It's kind of how I look at it. But it's, it's, um, there's a big market. There should be there should be room for. There's lots of people. Everyone can benefit from this. You know, we all have our own network. So yeah, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, right. you know, for me, I'm huge on education. So yeah. So I what are you? So I know you, you were talking to me about out in Sedona. Yeah, and teaching. You're talking about teaching. Is that part of your future? Is that I know a lot of my advocates that I hear from other states are talking about doing their um, you know, communicating with their own communities and making sure they understand what's going on. And is that something you're focused on, along with the initiatives? Yeah, that yeah. that is in my ballot initiative. Is oh, that, that is, okay. there's a component of education to it, educating people on how to use it, how to get access to it. You know, I have a vision for doing a wellness center at some point where people can come in and learn how to sprout the seeds and how to grow it and how to do their own in-home extractions because they can. Um, it's messy, but they can. And then how to cook with it. Well, that's a big one. How to make how it into you... their own salves yeah. and things. I see down the road being able to have like a whole educational center where people will come in and they would pay for classes and things like that. 
And then that would also be the house for free relief uh, for people to be able to come and get their own bottles and then also to be able to purchase our CBD products and things like that. So, so, so you're saying this from um, all angles. You're saying it from the micro level of the person who's just going to like take this on and do their own product growth and do their own salves to like, you know, big farming. You're seeing the, far- you know, an yeah. industry, you're international, you're international oil sales. Yeah. You don't see a lot of it. <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, there's, there's more and more education kind of coming out there because people want to know and, you know, we're blessed with the gift of the internet and that gives us a lot of information. But if we can go and see somebody and like actually believe in who they are as a person and what their ethics are, I mean, that's where my business has really grown where, you know, being out in the farmer's markets and really taking the time to sit down with people and say, this is how CBD works. Like there's different ways for it to be delivered to your endocannabinoid system. Oh, and by the way, you have an endocannabinoid. Yeah, we're not making that up. I say this like literally every show. That is not a made-up word. <laughs> right, I know. And so I just tell people, it's just like your nervous system. You have receptors all throughout your body, and we're constantly learning about new receptors. And even in the cannabinoid side, they just came out with uh, two new um, cannabinoids that they found, and they're calling it CBDP. And THCP. So, if we have people out there listening who are like who are really interested in learning with us, what what are some sites or some of the resources you think are, you know, I'm trying to connect people with good resources. So, what are some of the sites that you're reading that you think the information is really quality? You know, I I've all since I've gotten started in this, I have been a a devout follower of Green Flower Media. I do like Green Flower subscription and classes now that you can take. I am certified in their basic general thing class. It was cute when I took it. I went, oh, I already knew most of this from all my own homework, individual research, but I'm so glad that they're teaching this. And there's some things I didn't know. Right. Um, And they just keep coming out with more and more um, certification classes. So it's great to see that that they're there. Um, They've been credible. They've continued to do a, a variety of educational things. So I steer people towards them. Um, I think they're a good side, and they do. It's very accessible. I agree with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's easy. Like when I get a call about somebody with Alzheimer's and what kind of um, cannabinoids do I recommend? Because in my world, what I'm doing is um, I have like THCA uh, oil tinctures that I sell along with CBDA tinctures, and so we really start dialing in. If somebody with Park, my one Parkinson's guy. He needs, you know, my sativa THC drops in the morning, um, so many drops. And then he does the CBD on top of that. And then at night he vapes. And then I have another client at who takes the indica drops at night that are THCA, not THC. So it doesn't get her high, but it helps her sleep. So because I have access to the oils and the plants, I can help dial in an actual dosing system for people. Oh my God, that's like um, a whole nother, the dosing. Oh my God, Kelly, I should have talked about that. Yeah, that is a huge issue and how things interact. Yeah, and the thing, you know, the number one thing in terms of dosing people want to understand is that it also has to do with their diet and their nutrition. Mm-hmm. So that that changes the bioavailability of how your body is going to respond to the cannabinoids. So, you know, it's like once you find something that works, keep doing it, but then understand that your body is going to change. You might need to dial in different things. And unfortunately, at this point, 
there's no source out there that really can say, I am the doctor of cannabis. You can come to me and I can dose you. Instead, we're all like, oh, no, we can't say anything. The right. FDA is going to come after us. They're going to shut us it down. Is. It's, a, it's a funny thing that it's, yeah, people are still sort of self-medicating, trying to figure it out. And like the under, and like it's such an evolving source of knowledge. Every day there's so something different and understanding how it works with your body. Like, what do you think? I only have a couple more minutes, but what do you think? Like, how do you see the future of this medically? working with patients and patients and doctors and doctors and nurses and everything? Well, I actually have quite a few nurses that have come on board um, with me uh, and doctors, and I'm just continuing to educate them that at some point it will break into the medical community. My concern is, is that when we start looking at the medical community, they're mostly paid off by the pharmaceuticals, and the pharmaceuticals is working diligently on creating in mass volume synthetic cannabinoids. Yeah, and, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> and that is proof as as well in our marketplace in terms of most CBD products are derived from isolate. And isolate is when they go through and they refine the CBD oil so much that they strip away all those trace cannabinoids, all those pieces of the family, mm-hmm. to where it's just the CBD. And then it's not as effective. Yeah, the entourage. We talk about this. Yeah. There's going to be so much. This, you know, we're going to look back and this time in history because I, I talked to you about this that we're living in this weird anomaly for a hundred years it's been demonized and illegal and criminalized and we're now we're, we're relearning it you know and what I can yeah. do and we're relearning it in a very scientific way and like in a way kind of on par with like medical clinical trials like we're really treating it differently right so what I see in trend wise you know my kind of vision is that farmers markets are taking off people are trying to grow their own vegetables again they're really trying to become self-sustainable and so if they know who and where their plants come from that they're taking in then they can really begin to become their own advocates for themselves and their own healing and then that's what i see the future of the industry um i see the medical community being able to recognize it and speak of it but right now they're still um they're still on that fence to where folks with cancer the doctors can't tell them to go out and right find cannabis. Right. Um, and so that's where free relief, you know, my mission comes in to where, hey, it's, it is free. You know, uh, if you could help pay for shipping, that would be awesome. At some point, you're going to have to pay for shipping or you're going to have to come to the store. But right now, yeah. still underneath the, you know, the guys of just trying to get it going and get it in the hands of people. It's here. It's, you know, it's available for anybody that's suffering. I can ship to anybody. Um, not probably internationally. But I can ship across all 50 states because it still qualifies as CBD. That is great. All right. So we are actually out of time. Kelly, this was great. Thank you for talking to me. We'll have to come back and talk more. And I would love to come out to Michigan and see what's going on out there. I'd love to have you. You're welcome anytime. It's a five-year thing. All right. So for my guest today, Kelly Young, how is the best way for my listeners to get in touch with you if they want to find out what you're doing or about your free relief or your MyTCBD or anything else about you? I have a couple different websites. I have the MyTCBD. It's MYTCBD.com if you want to check out my product line that's for sale. On there, there's also a donation button for free relief. You can go to free relief at freerelief.org. Um, I still have to clean up that site. We can't take donations through there at this time. I also have Seven Leaf Consulting that you can go to or sevenleafconsultants.com. And that, that again, is kind of a bare-bones website. But if you have questions and want to find out more about consulting, uh, my consulting services in terms of growing hemp, 
uh, getting things processed and things of that nature. Um, any one of those, you'll reach me direct. So, so, for, so for the consulting, is that um, just Michigan or is that across the country? What are you consulting? That's across the country. Across the country. Okay. Really. Anyone listening? It would be based on yeah. the client. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. So for my guest again, Kelly Young, my co-host, Kenna's sister, Amy Searles. So sorry she couldn't join us today. Hopefully next week she'll be back. I want to thank the Podcast Garage in Austin, Mass., Josh Lampkin for writing and performing the Canna Mom theme music and for his help getting the show out this week. Hoping he can still help us. He just went to Spain. And I want to thank the Canna Mom show business team, Kim Kramer and Laurie Lennon, who've been working diligently this past few weeks as we're doing some new work. And of course, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom show where we are empowering women in the emerging cannabis industry and crushing the cannabis stigma one canna story at a time. Remember to please follow us on social media and subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber, and this is The Canna Mom Show. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.